Hey guys, so this is Ty Worsham of Loose Screws, and we have a unique opportunity to sit down with someone pretty awesome. Um, and with that, I'm going to let Commander Kai introduce him. Hello, hello. Thank you, Ty. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is a rare treat. <clears throat> Please excuse all the extra security and paparazzi outside of the Loose Screws Radio Network station, uh, and all of the uh, all of the surrounding security in five hundred light years in every direction. Our guest tonight is one of the two bad boys of Lave Radio. He is known to be one of the richest men in the galaxy. He is. Uh, if you're thinking about coming after his personal wealth, let me assure you that his private army for security will stop you. And this private army is headed up by his two sons, one, a royal guard, trained in the deadly arts to defend the queen and his father's credit balance. The other, a high-powered lawyer that will make the whole situation disappear in a puff of smoke and a pile of legal papers. I give you 10 Downing Street's official representative on all things Brexit to the state of Texas and paid uh, game speaker for uh, Guild Wars 2. Commanders and those just going commando, the one and only Commander Shan. Hi guys, love the intros. I'm so <laughs> playing that to Mr. Shan and the sons. Absolutely brilliant. Love it. Love it. Absolutely brilliant. So yes, hello everyone. I worked on that all morning. <laughs> that's that's very sad that that's that's the state of my life, but it was it was quite enjoyable. It's also interesting to know the level of celebrity you're attributing to to myself. Well, the reality is, is I've just eaten a big meal, and I wasn't as fast a runner as Ben, Colin, or the others. So that's why you got me. Is I, I was too full. <laughs> so you're saying that we would be talking to Suv right now if it weren't for the fact that you had a cheeky Nando's takeaway, huh? Yeah, Sue, definitely. He he's very swift. Is our Sue? Sue's the swift. <laughs> well, the first thing I've always wanted to ask you, and I don't know if I'll get an answer, but I'm going to ask anyway: is how many credits do you have? <laughs> <laughs> and well, let me just do this. So Kai is sitting around twenty-five billion. Lower or higher? I'm betting higher. Oh, silence. Okay. <laughs> um, you might like to think it's higher. Uh, I couldn't possibly comment. Um, mm. it, 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 in all seriousness, um, the, and I mentioned this pre-show, but the reason why I don't talk about a credit balance and things like that is I, it, because for me, it was just an objective, you know, just see how big a number I can get before I get fed up of it. For me, a player's worth and wealth in almost any game is the friends they have around them and how much enjoyment they have from being with those friends. And so it doesn't matter if you have 50 credits or 50 billion credits or 500 billion credits. It's the community and the friends you have around you that's really important. And yes, I know it sounds like a greeting card sentiment, but for me, it's true. It's not about a credit balance or about how many ships or pilot federation ranks or stuff like that. It's just, that's, that's a side effect of having 
bunch a fun bunch of friends, people around you. Yeah. And, that's, and that's why I don't talk about credit balances because it's not something I, you know, I factor in. Well, listening to your show every week and the misadventures and absolute silliness that you and your group of friends get up to on a on a regular basis, I can tell that you are a very wealthy man indeed. In, in both senses, yes, I I, I I like to think so, but it's not. But I had a, I, have, I have a great British bunch of friends. Uh, I played with even before I was um, unlucky enough to um, be chosen to be on live radio. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm very fortunate. I think that's the perfect the fer- perfect place to start. Um, can you tell us how you were chosen to be on live radio and how you started with the crew? You've obviously been there for some time now. I have, yes. I well. It, <sighs> I guess part of because I mean, I know we'll talk about Guild Wars and stuff like that because so everyone can have a drink and feel happy and we've got it out of the way. Is that in? I've always wanted and always enjoyed doing community stuff. And in Guild Wars One, which is where the guild I led started off at, we were known as the Community Guild um, worldwide. And for example, it, the Japanese, sorry, the Chinese New Year, which is just coming up, uh, Guild Wars 1, they had an event. And if you collected a certain number of ingredients and gave them to an NPC, everyone in your instance, two, three, four hundred people, would get a gift, a free gift. So what we did is we went around um, and we got all these materials just to give people the gifts. And I think one year we did that, um, we we helped or got 32,000 people in 24 hours. We did it 24 hours the whole day in America, um, Asia, Pacific, Europe, a lot. So 32,000 people we actually did that with, um, which really wasn't down to me because it was the other people doing the work. But we really, really enjoyed doing the community stuff. And from that desire to just interact and be part of a community, uh, when I went to LaveCon and all the stuff like that, that just kind of got me talking to people who thought the same way as I did. And then when a spot became available in Lave Radio, they said, oh, Shan, you know, we know you're you're really mouthy and always opinionated and what have you, have you thought about being part of the show? And I thought, I'll give it a go. And it was almost like you're being asked to um, perform at um, the Super Bowl for me because I'd listened to Lave Radio ever since and before I, the game was out. And to me, Lave Radio was like, I'm so hopefully still is, but it's all up there as this is, this is the pinnacle, this is, you know, this is the place with people who want to help the community hang out and where, where they are. And so for me, it was a tremendous honor and it still is at the end of, you know, the end of every show pretty much. And I, when we come up with it, thanks for having me because I do honestly feel really honored to be asked to be on the show. Well, you've, you've clearly made yourself uh, quite at home at, at this, at, you know, by this point, and you're, you're definitely a fixture. You are one of the faces on the Lave Radio Mount Rushmore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one more thing, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Ty, because I know he's got a list of questions for you. But uh, I want to say thank you personally for giving my, my debut album a shout-out on last week's Lave Radio. My number one hit, uh, song Steven 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 oh how I love my Steven will be rocketing up the charts any moment now 
I, I hope so, and I, I hope we can have a, a uh, the, the initial playing can be at LaveCon this year. Right on. There's there's, there's a small chance Stephen might be dead by this point because <laughs> poor Stephen has to take yeah exactly. Poor old Stephen has to take a drink every time someone says Stephen his name, which is Stephen. So <laughs> wait, I miss her. Uh, Did you say Stephen? I think I said Stephen. Yeah, okay. Shane, did I say Stephen? Uh, I thought you said Steve, not Stephen. Oh, did you say Stephen? And it should be Steve. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloody yanks. <laughs> so, he, he so regrets that because it was a quip he made on uh, the lunchtime stream on a Monday that uh, both myself and Colin uh, listened into, and it's like we just got to say, got to get the Stephen thing going because you know. <laughs> just to let them know we can listen and, you know, they can't. I think, he played, I think he's a marketing genius and he played you. And now he makes sure that every Labor Radio, he gets, he gets at least two dozen call-outs. That's... Very possibly, very possibly. But, hey, it's funny and that's the whole point of it. <laughs> I, I want uh, Frontier to do like a whole uh, photo series on, on Imgur of like him just passed out in different places around the office. Oh, you mean like when someone steals a gnome or something and they then put <laughs> yeah. it in period? Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, um, so because you brought it up about the whole uh, community thing, and I've always kind of believed that. So one of the things I love about this game is also the same thing I hate about this game, that you kind of have to make your own fun like buckyball racing or, uh, uh, I mean, just SRV racing or, you know, things like that. Uh, what kind of things do you want to see Frontier do to kind of really bring the community to the front? Um, I often think about this and what, I think I did describe it on one of the shows as providing the players with a cardboard box. And the, the reason why I say it's like a cardboard box is because, well, when I had kids, you know, you can, you can give them the most wonderful toy, the one they wanted all year. And what, when, when they get it, they sort of zoom it around a bit, but that's soon cast aside. But the cardboard box you give them, it can be a spaceship, it can be a house, it can be a castle, it can be a whatever they want. And it's the cardboard box that's more fun sometimes than the toy you actually give them. Um, so what I would say to Frontier is just give us the tools so we can make more cardboard boxes. Because, and, and, I, and this is a number of years ago, I wrote quite a lengthy forum post on content creators versus content consumers. And... Uh, a healthy game, I think, needs both. It needs people who will play the content and do the content, but also then needs people who are focused on the community to create content for the developers. Because if you have more consumers than creators, what happens is you have what I call content locusts. In that, let's say there's a new expansion pack out for this game, they'll go swarming over there. They'll consume all the content in a week's worth of concentrated play, and then they'll leave. And then they'll go to the next one where there's another expansion or more levels out on a DLC or whatever you like, and they'll go there. So they follow the content 
And there's an enormous pressure on, on a developer to keep producing content quicker than the locusts can consume it. And eventually that burns the developer out. It's like, because you can't outproduce a million players in terms of co content. But what you can do is if you give the players a tool to create their own content, their own cardboard boxes, you then have a you people who do all feel like do you work for you in terms of producing entertainment for the players. You know, a perfect example of that, and I, I'm not a big fan of the game, is is Minecraft. You know, my my nephew is all over Minecraft and I, I play it with him every now and then, but he he loves that game. Because of the fact that it's it's a sandbox and you can go play in it. <clears throat> for me, like I survived until I beat uh, Enderman one day, and I'm like, all right, so I'm kind of done with this. I feel like I beat the game, you know. Um, and and well, let me ask you this: what do you what do you think is coming in the 2020 update versus what do you want? I'm becoming more and more cautious about the 2020 update um, because I think, as a whole, um, we put our own vision for the game onto Frontier, and then when they don't deliver it in quite the way that we expect, we're then disappointed. So what I hope they have is I hope they have, I think as everyone says, they have some kind of elite feet, space legs, call it what you like, and some degree of um, atmospheric planets. My issue with that comes, okay, so at its basic level, elite feet is basically just doing the same stuff as you do now from a different viewpoint. Because there's no difference in you know walking around a planet, for example, than there isn't flying around a planet other than like, the speed and the your point of view. Unless you have new stuff to do when you land on an atmospheric planet or when you walk around a space station or said planet, then all you're doing is you're just changing the graphics for the same fundamental game. So I'm learning to temper my expectations. And if they, if, if they deliver more than I expected, great, fantastic, wonderful. But I'm pretty sure there'll be a group of people when it comes to the end of 2020 who will be massively disappointed because what they expect will not have been delivered. And I would argue it's impossible to deliver. Well, let me extend that question then to fleet carriers. What is, what is your overall opinion about fleet carriers and what do you think they're going to bring to the game, if anything, besides just a, a my, well, my biggest question, because I was at, I was at um, Frontier Expo when they renounced fleet carriers, and everyone was, oh, wow, fleet carriers, all these sort of... And, but my point with fleet carriers, and I think it's possibly one of the reasons why they've been delayed, is because there is nothing to the game that fleet carriers bring that cannot be done by space stations or Discord. Possibly. Possibly. Let me give you an example of a, a possible challenge to that statement. And, and we don't know yet if it does or does not exist, but it seems to me that it would be almost anathema to a trading ship or a mining ship to not have the capability to add storage. And that would be something new introduced to the game. 
It would be, however, that would then go back on conversations that Frontier have had. In the well, can you imagine the effect on the BGS of a carrier turning up with, I don't know, 10,000 tons of void opals, for example? Well, that's, that's actually interesting because if you, you know, look you would, at that statement, if you, if you, if you look at the, the, the change that we just had in the previous patch over the last couple of weeks, in the three different iterations being the first one on the sixth, the second one on the seventh, and then the, the, the last one, literally just this last Tuesday, they have continued to sort of rebalance the way that would work. So that if you jumped into a station right now with a bazillion void opals, your first hundred, your first 500 tons at the most would basically nerf the price of those void opals and the worth of those void opals into the ground. And after that, everything that you do, you would really just be shooting yourself in the foot if you're going to try to use that to manipulate. Yeah, but I'm not just talking about the amount of credits earned. I'm talking about the effect of the state of the BGS. Oh, sure. But the, the effect of the state on the, of the BGS, at least as far as it can be defined or it can be manipulated through the sales of commodities is it, that is tied directly to their value. If you, if you only get uh, one one hundredth of the value, then you're only affecting the BGS to that same one one hundredth of the value ratio is my understanding. I could be incorrect. Possibly. But then again, the, the other point regarding that, regarding storage is you could, and this is, um, I don't I hate name dropping, but I had a conversation with Sandro at one LaveCon. Because what? Because <laughs> my first couple of LaveCons, Sandro was quite approachable and stuff like that. But then when he saw me come in, he'd like run to the bar and grab a gin and tonic. Um, <laughs> but one of the conversations I had with him was about module storage and cargo storage, because I'm sure we've all, all turned up somewhere in a ship. And tried to change ship and got too much cargo on board and you have to get rid of it. And I said, well, what about cargo storage? You know, what about that mechanic? You know, can we have cargo storage, please? And he says, well, no, because what that would do is that would allow you to play the market. You could put all your cargo in storage and then you could then play the markets and it would then upset things economically. Now, I would argue they're already upset, but you can kind of see the thought behind it. It's module storage is fine. That's a personal thing. But as soon as you start allowing people to stockpile cash items, it can have a negative effect. So my, my biggest thing about fleet carriers is I'm not sure what they're for. And in a way, that's a good thing. In other ways, it's a bad thing. I think that they will become a vanity item, which is a good thing because we need vanity items in the game. Mm. Because, the, the, you know, the, irrespective of my bank balance in-game, there are players with a significant amount of credits who have nothing to spend it on. So you, you're then, I, I'm thinking at this point, you are not really thinking that we're going to get storage out of these. I, it would surprise me if we did. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not ruling out because obviously, you know, I'm not a professional games developer, but based on information from conversations I had years ago, it would surprise me. But then, of course, how do you then get your stuff to sell? You can't dock your fleet carrier, and you then have to end up shuttling to and fro 
in your anaconda or whatever ship you're using to do that. So I don't know. And the other people say, well, they're, they're great because you could then send your squadron, you know, you could go with your squadron to do the CG or whatever it is, and they could all be on your fleet carrier and whatever. And I say, well, that, yeah, that's, that sounds great. However, you may as well say, let's say I'm going to wing up with you guys. Okay, let's be in Lave um, half past 10 tomorrow afternoon. And we'll all meet up at Lave at half past 10 tomorrow afternoon, not because the fleet carrier's been there, but because I've arranged it on Discord for you guys to go there. So what's the point of having the fleet carrier? Um, and the other thing people have said, oh, the exploration, the 500 light year jump of the carrier. Yes, I can see how that would be useful to get to some place you couldn't normally be, but we know from the design they've said is that you'll have to fuel up your carrier with, I don't know, grindonium or something before it can jump. Mm. So if it takes me longer to fill up my carrier to do the 500 light year jump than it takes my anaconda to do the 500 light years, then there's no benefit to exploration because it's taking me longer to get there. And not only that, is I'm missing a whole lot of potential interesting stuff out in between. Yeah. Well, there's there's definitely a lot to this, and I think we're going to. Uh, I predict by May we're going to start getting some details on carriers, and that will. Right now, we're having speculation on upon speculation, but I, I feel that around May we're going to start to hear our first little teaser stuff and whatever. And I feel that uh, I may be wrong, but my conjecture is that we will have carriers by LaveCon at LaveCon. They're going to pull you guys aside like they did for the for the uh, asteroid mining, cracking the core uh, thing, and they're going to give you guys NDAs, and they're going to give you a little private tour. Oh, we wasn't all. actually invited to that, by the way. They, they really did not go to that. We weren't invited. Uh, We're not. But anyway, um, point. But anyway, we weren't invited to that. But well, in terms of in terms of time scales, I suspect. My gut feel is that I, I don't know any GXs or what the big games, what the big conventions are around July, but I suspect they will reveal the 2020 stuff at the big game show, which is mm. July see, time. See, my prevention is Gamescom because that's when they announced uh, Horizons, you know, with the big. Uh, 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 Cobra Mark IV landing and then the SRV rolling out of it. Mm. Uh, that's that's where they announced that, and this is their next expansion. And this is the month it happens. In they August, will not. Month I'm after. pretty much certain they will not announce the 2020 update at LaveCon because it's yeah. Although it's kind of you know it's still a couple hundred people to stay over and stuff like that, but considering the size of the player base. And the opportunity for marketing, I do not think they will do Lave. Uh, well, Lave I, I mean, they could surprise I, me, I but it would not. I don't either. My prediction is in May we're going to get a teaser about uh, uh, carriers. In June, uh, the carriers will drop. People will go to LaveCon having just played with their carriers and be all excited and jazzed up. They'll they'll do another private bring people to the office thing. And, and get some information and some feedback. And then I believe at LaveCon, they will drop a teaser about the 2020 trailer that's very light on details, but just gets other people's appetite wet and makes the community happy. And then at GamesCon, they will drop the full 
2020 trailer. That's my that's been my prediction all along. Maybe, maybe um, we'll see what sort of influence Steve and Will and and then have over their marketing strategy because no Ed uh, Ed Lewis had a had a distinctive style and way of doing things an input of why that worked. And Will and Stephen Co is, is very different to Ed's. So I don't know. I mean, the other, other thing we're talking about carriers is Frontier have said, if you have 20, 20 billion, that is more than enough to get a carrier and everything with it. Yes. Yes. You know, that, that's the figure they've raised. And, I, and it, it sounds horrible and awfully snobbish, but I hope they do not make them too cheap. Hmm. Well, to be clear... That wasn't the figure they raised. A person opened a ticket to Frontier Correct, yeah. Development saying, I have $20 billion. Do I need to keep going higher? And the response that they got was simply, what you have is more than enough with a little smiley, winky response. So that was, yes, I mean, it wasn't right, yeah. even that they named that number. The way, you know, if I say, hey, if something, if you're planning on charging $10 for something and I say, hey, man, I've got 20 bucks." Is that enough or do I need to keep going? And you can send me back. That's more than enough with a smiley, winky face. That, that to me, that, that indicates that it's not like, okay, you've got $20 billion, It's going to be 19.5. Don't worry, bro. You're good. To me, that, that response was more along the lines of, whoa, man, relax. You're way good. Like You could afford to buy a couple of them. Don't worry. Yeah, it was interesting. And, and again, I don't feel like I'm saying something and stuff like that, but... LaveCon is when I had my chance to grab the developers and ask them really pointed questions, not pointed questions, but it's the one time you feed them a few drinks and they talk, yeah? And so <laughs> I spend, a lot, and I spend a, quite a lot of LaveCon talking to the, the developers because it helps me form a view and a picture of, may, of why things were done previously or, and what's coming up. And so it's a good way to get information from people in a very social way. And, yeah. Um, so I, I was actually asked by Adam Borkwaite, I think it was. Um, so, so Shab, if you were doing fleet carriers, what, how would you make it work? What would you do for pricing? And I said, well, I would model it similar to how you do ships, in that the whole price is comparatively cheap, but it's when you start adding stuff onto it is when the price racks up. So I said, for example, you know, your your anaconda or your cutter is comparatively cheap compared to the cost of fully A-rating it. So I would say I would have a fairly basic cost, and I'd label like five billion as a basic cost because you know it's much bigger than a cutter or much bigger than anaconda, so you would expect it to have a billion behind it rather than a million. Um, so I have a basic price to get you your bog standard fleet carrier, but then. You would then add on to it, and you would get different grades of add-ons and whatnots to it, which would then get increasingly expensive. So what that does is it gives a fairly low bar of entry, and I feel bad by saying $5 billion is a low bar of entry, but if you've done mining or whatever like that, it really isn't, not anymore. So it's a fairly low bar of entry, but then it gives you something to either spend lots of your credits on you've already got or take your time and aspire to as you play the game. Can I give you uh, another idea that they, that they might consider for a pricing model? They have stated that 
um, there are going to be eight different types of carriers. Off the top of my head, it's it's like mining, trading, exploration, search and rescue, mercenary, uh, bounty hunting. I'm forgetting. I the last thought one. it was just a three. I thought it was. No. I thought it was exploration, <laughs> combat. I will. I will link you. I will link you the the thing. They they showed three base types. And then That's on the that, base types, yeah. Of that yeah, in the in, in the on their on their uh, what do you call it the frontier forums they went into a further explanation of subtypes. So like for combat, there was mercenary, uh, which I guess would be more aimed towards farming CZs uh, conflict zones, and then there was bounty hunting, which would be more like a Hazres type uh, one. I'll, I'll link that for you, um, but. <clears throat> What I'm thinking here is if there's eight types, right? Let's say they say a carrier, just the carrier, a, a, a slug carrier, a unmoduled carrier, let's say costs, I don't know, 1.5 billion or 2 billion, right? And then they say that they, this doesn't have modules per se. So you don't have like a, you know, a, a frame shift drive class one, two, three, or four, but instead, the quote-unquote module for these was the tender ship, the the ship that comes along with the support ship, yeah, the carrier, the support ship. And based on the artwork that I've seen, if you look at it with a sort of an eagle eye, what I think is going to happen here is the support ship docks with the rest of the blank carrier body and becomes the forward one fifth of the the entire carrier, so that when the carrier does a its five hundred light year jump. It is one big ship that is the carrier and the support ship. And then the support ship undocks and proceeds to do whatever the hell it is that the support ship is going to do. But I think that the, the carrier itself is going to be a blank. It's going to be just a one thing, one size fits all. Everybody has it. So let's say, again, the carrier is $2 billion and the support ship is an additional billion. And if you want a search and rescue support ship, that's a billion. If you want... A uh, 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 mercenary support ship—that's a billion. If you want a whatever, so that it might be that to get a carrier, you're you're you, like, let's say you only are interested in an exploration carrier. You don't give a damn about search and rescue or 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 mercenary or bounty hunting or what have you. <clears throat> you could get that all in for three billion. But if you were a player like myself or like many other people in the community might be that might want to have, you know, eight or nine different carrier build outs. They've already said you can only own one carrier, but they have not said that you could not take that carrier to a certain designated shipyard or whatever, any station, what, I, I don't know how they would work this, but let's say they work this some way and you then send your little tender ship in of, of, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the exploration one, you send that to the shipyard and you auto dock it. And then it now sends back out the, 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 the mercenary one. And now you can go take it to a CZ and use that. So by doing something like that, they could make it to where the low end of entry is very, very cheap. It's, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful or whatever, like cheap comparatively where the, Hey, 3 billion will get you in. But if you really want all the stuff, you might have to grind for a full, you know, 
so eight billion yeah, plus I, to ten billion. Yeah, I agree, I, and that's the similar model. I think we're both thinking around the same lines. And yeah, I'm I'm completely up with that. And, and again, I, I refer back to other MMOs I've played, you know, be a World of Warcraft or other ones. Is that every game needs, if you like, a prestige armor or a prestige weapon? Um, and I think, I hope, carriers are going to be one of the things for that, which is why I said they should be suitably expensive, because if everyone can get them on day one, then they become, they become as common as, I don't know, sidewinders, and they lose their inherent you know, value. Because let's face it, in, mul- in multiplayer games... The differentiator um, is looks. Mm-hmm. When, when you're hang, if you're hanging around in, um, I don't know, a games player hub or something like that, the thing they notice is if you've got that wonderful mount or sparkly sword or glowy armor or whatever it is, mm. it says, "Hey, guy, you've arrived. You've got this armor. You've got this mount. You've got this sword." And every game, I think, needs that. And at the moment, Elite doesn't. Yeah, I mean, that's what you would call your standard MMO, what you call aspirational content. You aspire to achieve this, whether it's a raid gear of armor or whether it's a special arena team rated uh, mount or what have you. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I think carriers may be that because in a way that, if if they don't do anything more than replace a space station, then the only reason for them being is vanity. Well, uh, vanity item. And I know from other online online games is that people will spend hours and hours and hours for items that are purely vanity items because they make them look different, make them look special, whatever. And that's a powerful motivator. Because the other thing I think that Elite is missing, and they started it with the uh, Thargoid bobblehead. In order to get a Thargoid bobblehead, you need to get a Thargoid heart. The only way you can get a Thargoid heart is to blow up a Thargoid, which is easier than it used to be, but anyway. So you have to do a certain thing in-game that requires some skill to get this cosmetic item. And I think Elite needs more of that stuff, because let's face it, pretty much any paint job you get any differentiating skin or what, whatever you get by paying money for or mm. now earning arcs. So it then becomes a item anyone can get so long as they have the cash to get it. So, so looking, looking at the fact that they're, you know, let's say there is no storage. Let's just grant that as a premise. I, I, I don't grant that yet. I, I'm of the camp that believes that there will be storage in this and, and that it will be tied also. I, the re, Part of the reason why I believe there will be storage in this is the changes that they're making. And the other part of the reason is because I believe that storage coming out in June, June July is going to be their very large beta scale test for storage in buildings that will be coming in the 2020 update. I, and I feel like they're, they're being very smart in rolling this out in a way that it's like, okay, let's test this here, see where, where this breaks things or, or causes issues, and then make the adjustments 
uh, on the on the 2020 release for the buildings. But let's for one moment assume that there is no storage in carriers. You say, what value would it have other than vanity? Let me give you an example. <laughs> if you have a exploration fleet carrier, I don't see how that could be called an exploration fleet carrier without a universal cartographics terminal. And if you have a universal cartographics terminal that is mobile, that could be placed at Beagle Point, that could be placed at Sag A, that could be placed at any other spot. If you're talking going out and like, I'm going to go all around the coal 70 sector and I'm going to map the entire area that is completely surrounding for 200 light years in every direction, the sealed off, permit locked, you know, future Thargoid shit area. To be able to do that in a ship that you know that you have, you know, you're at any point, you know, 200 light years away from a universal cartographics tab. And so if you want to mess around on a high G planet, or if you want to do some mining, because you find a neat thing, you've got a mining ship, you can swap out, you can repair all of this, you know, vastly change for right now, if I'm doing exploring, I'm going out my crate phantom. But let me tell you something, I love my DBX. And if it were, if I had, if I knew that at any point I could have a safe base to stop and repair and reload, and I didn't have to worry about the slot that I would be what a worth, what a worth. What's that? What a worth you are, honestly. Well, yes, clearly. <laughs> you want you, you want a you want a checkpoint every ten jumps or something like that. No, no, I, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that I want a checkpoint. What I'm saying is you've st- you you've raised the point. What is the value? And I, I and I'm not a wuss. I go out into the bl- well. I am I'm teasing. I'm sorry. I'm You're teasing. right. I am a wuss. I'm, I'm I am. But uh, I you know when I go out into the black, I take the larger ship for a reason. But you say, what value does the carrier have? A mobile universal cartographics and a repair spot that you can take and swap out ships at any point out in the middle of nowhere. I'm talking you know fifty thousand light years away from civilization. That does, in and of itself, have an intrinsic value. The, the thing is, and I guess it purely depends on what you're and where you come from. You see, when I've come back from exploration trips, I've used, I've saved up the exploration data, and what I've done is I've used it to gain influence, which then gets me the permit to whatever a number of systems. So, if I was saving that off regularly. In, in my min-maxing way of thinking, that's a whole... If, I, if I'm after permits, me, me saving that money, handing it in, that's not, that's not a good use of my time. I'm better off saving that up and then using that for this, 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 and this, and this. That's just my min-max way of thinking. And, but then the other aspect I've got of that... And again, this is based on current information, and we know they're redesigning it. So, hey, is the refueling mechanic. We don't know how long it's going to take to refuel a carrier. So, if it takes, I mean, I, I can't believe that those have like one ton of grindonium to make this thing jump. You're going to need a couple of hundred tons probably to get this thing to move. And if you're in deep space, the only way you can do that is by mining, probably. I don't think you'd be able to fuel scoop these things. Um, so you then, I then think about, well, if it takes me 
several hours to get enough fuel to do a 500 light year jump, and I have to go 65,000 odd light years to be a point in it. It's just not worth my while taking my carrier out there because I could have gone there and back several times, and now the time it's taking me to refuel it. And that's just, that's just me, the, but that's just the way I think. I mean, that, the, the nice thing about Elite, and it may sound as I'm very negative about the game sometimes, but I'm not. I'm very passionate about it. The thing I like about Elite is there is no real right or wrong way to do something. There, right. There's yes, people have optimized it and min-maxed it, and when I go for a, a goal in any game, I min-max it. But other times, I don't really care. As long as I get there, I'm not in a hurry, etc. So I can kind of see both points of view. But in terms of the exploration stuff, in my way, min-maxing way of thinking, and I don't buckyball per se because, you know, I just... I've done it a couple of times, but it's not something I particularly enjoyed. But anyway, in my min-max way of thinking is... That exploration data is of more use to me getting permits, getting influence in systems, getting allied with various things than having a save point every 10 light years. And you say about using um, landing on high G planets and stuff like that. Well, to be honest, I accept when I go out exploring is I will not land on any high G planets. Or, or that are risky for me. That's part of that's part of the trade-off for exploring. But again, no right or wrong way of doing it. It's just the way, particular way I choose to play. So let me let me let me kind of shift gears here for just a minute because when we talked to the pilot a few months back, he brought up a very good theory, and it kind of goes like this: What if? And I I don't believe they're going to do this. But I think it's an interesting idea. What if there was a big shakeup in the galaxy with this 2020 update? Like, what if a bunch of Thargoid mothership came in and effectively burned the bubble? Like, uh, the majority of the stations, installations were destroyed. And the reason why they're giving us fleet carriers, probably with the 2020 update, the ability to build bases on planets, the reason why they did all this is so that we establish the stations and the plant and the bases. And that's, that's, you know, that would make them a little bit more reasonably priced and all that to where, you know, poor people like me can uh, have access to them. Because several in, sorry, there's several interesting points in there. And yeah, I've, I've heard lots of the theories about the bulls are going to burn, the Thargoids are going to come in, and whatever that was some sort of elite version of Battlestar Galactica or, or heading towards Colonia. I'm not sure that will ever happen. The reason why I say that is because Frontier spent an awful lot of time when they developed the game making the bubble, handcrafting systems and all stuff that they put in it. They then spent a whole lot of other time putting starter systems in the bubble. So if the bubble is going to get wrecked, then all that effort then goes to waste because your starter systems are effectively trashed. Mm. The, the other thing I have, a uh, question I have regarding bases and base building, and it's, it's an issue with the nature of the game, is persistence. Um, so if everyone builds a base, as for example, it's gonna, you, that base is going to have to be present in solo, private group, or open. And it's going to have to be 
so you're going to have to record base stats potentially for every single planet in the bubble and then every single planet in the game which is an impossible thing because you can't use um, procedural generation per se because it's a player asset and it may have a name it'll have extra stuff on it so I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure how they're going to address a persistent issue. Now, they're smarter than, than I am at programming, and pro- probably as a way. But if you think about in MMOs about player housing and stuff like that, is they're all instance. You have to join a separate instance to see player housing. You just can't go in the games I know of. You just can't go wander around this area in, in, in an open world area and see player housing. Can I give yeah. you one possibility? They, they have already stated with regard to, and again, I feel that fleet carriers are going to be the test bed for buildings in all sense because a fleet carrier is just a building that players can move. Uh, we, you, they've already said you're not going to fly it. You're going to go in there into the you know universe map, this, the galaxy map, and you're going to schedule a jump, and then the jump will take place. And you can even schedule it for like right now. The, it'll take like two minutes for the drive to spool up, and then it jumps, and then like two minutes for the drive to spool down, and then you could jump again theoretically. They've said it's not jumping on the tick, yada, yada, yada. But anyways, <clears throat> if... My theory is that, 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 that carriers are the test bed for buildings. And they've already said no two carriers will appear in the same instance. Carriers are going to be uh, instance. Uh, they're going to be unique to the instance. So if, let's say, I am in Desiat and I know that I have a carrier in Desiat, that you have a carrier in Desiat, and that Ty has a carrier in Desiat, all three of us have carriers in Desiat. Um, let's say that I have access to my carrier, your carrier, and Ty's carrier. I have access to all three. Well, then all three carriers will show up on my nav panel on the left-hand side. If I did not have access to Ty's carrier and I just had access to my carrier and Shan's carrier, then only two of those will show up on the nav panel. But then when I select to go to that location on the nav panel, that to that point, then I will be loaded into a private instance that that carrier exists in and, and the other ones obviously will not. <clears throat> so that you won't even see the carrier. So that if, if day one, there's 4,000 players that have carriers in the Shinrata system, you're not going to see 4,000 things on your nav panel. You're only going to have to, as a carrier owner, you're going to have to go in and set the availability on your carrier to like, okay, these people are allowed in. Just me or just me and these three or four people on my friends list or just me and all of my squadron mates. I think there's going to be a granularity of who has access. And I don't think that, <clears throat> at least up front, I don't think open to all is even going to be a possibility. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, if I'm sitting here with my shenanigans hat on, uh, shenanigans is an alternate commander who does the things that Chan is too good to do. But anyway, if I had my shenanigans hat on, what I would do is on a Tuesday evening, when Carriers first came out, I'd say, hi, Lave Radio listeners, let's all bring our carriers to Shinrata Desra and make them open to everyone. And so... 
all of a sudden, the servers have got to cope with, mm. I don't know, 10,000 carriers in the, in the same space with the and same people, all things like that. So, yes, I, I think you're right, but I don't know how the limits are going to work because so, I, I have a little message saying, we're sorry, the car park is Shinrata's full. You have to move your character, your uh, carrier to somewhere else. I don't know. Yes, you can you can stop it appearing on the list, but what happens if someone wants to be a Muppet and see how many you can get to appear on the list? So, but extrapolating from that with the carrier talk and now taking it to the point of what we were talking about with the buildings, you said, I don't see how they could allow for buildings because it would have to be a persist- persistence issue across the galaxy. And I don't think it will. I think that if I put a base on, you know, Desiat 4 and I build a building there, the planet is big enough that they can just hand wave and say, okay, who's on the access list to that building that I give access to? Well, just me. All right, so it'll only appear for me. Or if it's just me and you two, you know, it's not hard for them to say, okay, these, how many people have access to any given building? And again, I do not believe that they will make any stations with the open access to all. That They won't even give you that as an option. So if you only say four people are available or 30 people in my squadron can get into it or whatever, that's a much smaller uh, load for them to have to carry with regard to uh, servers and whatnot. So that if, if I have a station... And let's say between me, my group of friends, and my squadron mates, let's say there's a grand total of 800 buildings somewhere throughout the galaxy that I, as a player, have access to. That's only, you know, now a cache of those 800. That's not an unmanageable number in the grand scheme of things for for a company that has, you know, built up this system of over 400 million systems to say, okay, those 800 buildings show up. But but let's say, for example, Shan, I don't have access to your building. I would fly right by it, and I could see, if I'm in your instance, I could see your ship land, but I would not see the building. I think we need to wait and see how, how they do it, because, again, I reflect back to one of the uh, panels I had at one of the late cons. And someone asked Dab about the mining, planetary mining, you know, leaving a mining machine on a planet and letting it do its thing, and then you come back and collect the items. Um, what Dab's response was, and again, tempered with it a few years ago, uh, he said, like, I, I don't think the server that can track the state of potentially millions of mining machines scattered across the galaxy exists. So I, I, I would love them to do it. I think but persistence is something they've always struggled with, and I, I look forward to see how they solve it. As long as I leave it at that. The other, the other question that does spring to mind, though, um, regarding the whole base building stuff, I think is again, what customization is going to be available for it? Will they just will they have you only allowed to? You know, for example, will these have your bog standard base? You know, like you see on any planetary surface. But inside is a separate instance, and therefore you can decorate the instance how you like. So that almost 
gets away from the persistence thing because you land at a base and you just see you know, normal, normal base shape. But when you get the inside, you either have the fluffy dice from the bathroom and whatever. That's there when you can customize it. What do you? What do you think that? Let me let me you know shift off here for just a second. Where do you think that? Uh, and, and I want to stress this before I even ask this question. I, I'm I'm a big fan of Frontier because I'm passionate about this game. I love this game. That being said, there's there's mistakes they've made along the way that I'd like to see them rectify. And what do you think is like their their kind of biggest? Oh my God, what did y'all do? Like their biggest mistake. Uh, my gut feel. I mean, there's there's two aspects of this. There's the interaction with the player, the community side, and then there's the technical side. I think one of the reasons why we have seen such a slowdown in the rate of new content is because it is getting increasingly more difficult to add content to the game. So in other words, they've incurred such a technical debt over the years of development that any change they make has unforeseen knock-on effects. And I don't think it's down to lack of testing or anything like that. I think it's just fundamentally the game has evolved and it's just basically a code spaghetti. That's kind of my theory about it. And I'm hoping one of the reasons why the 2020 update is so far away is they are addressing that technical debt such to make future content easier to add. So let me, let me follow up to that question and say, that's what you feel their biggest misstep is. If you were to guess or if you were to suspect, what do you think they feel their biggest misstep is? Do you feel that it's one and the same or do you feel that, you know, a lot of times when you think about a developer, uh, there can be different conversations that go on where they look at things from their viewpoint. You look at it from your viewpoint. And then afterwards, if you were to get together and have an open and honest conversation, you would be surprised at the disparity in what two people who are looking at the same issue openly and honestly really see in that issue. So what do you think they think their biggest thing is? I think, and I think I would probably, their answer would be the same as mine. And that would be engineers. I think their biggest misstep was engineers. Uh, and, and, the re- <laughs> and there's several reasons why I say that, but one of the main, one of the main, th- one of the main misstep, and there's one thing I think I can point my finger at, was allowing your power plant to be overcharged. I've heard you say that on multiple episodes of Labor Radio. You said that that was the one engineering step that screwed the whole thing. Absolutely. Because if you think about the third, I don't know how long you played the game for, but the third alarms when it first came out was very power limited. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you, you either went for outright DPS or you had defense on a third lance. That was it. You know, it was either a glass cannon or a bit tankier. And the limitation to that was the power plant. Didn't they actually bump the power plant from like a four to a five or five to a six? I can't remember. They did. Um, a reason I say further lance is it's one of the PvP meta ships, but there's all sorts of builds that were 
enabled by over, being able to overcharge your power plant. I mean, on, on one of my four, on one of my Corvettes, I think I've got my power plant in something like fifty-five megajoules on my power plant, mm-hmm. um, and that's stupid. The the downside to having an overcharged power plant is or even like the monster's effect, yeah, is so little compared to the benefit it gives. It just completely skewed everything because you no longer needed to worry about power so much on your ship. I don't know where if you did ship builds before, but you know you would you would tune the priorities on your module so when you did something, it gave you enough power to I don't know jump out when your shields were down or whatever it is. You had to juggle and consider the power, and the power supplied by a ship was the major balancing thing. When they took that away, it then enabled a whole shared load of imbalance in the game. So, yeah, engineering power plants, I think. That, that's, that's a root cause of a lot of the issues we see, I think. Mm. Do you think that... Because So, I, I kind of got two questions here. So, one, do you think, do you think that we are going to get some sort of balance pass at some point that kind of goes through and actually readjust everything kind of the way they they intended but even with because with engineering i feel like things got really out of whack i feel like before then things were fairly well balanced um but now i feel like things are very out of balance and i keep hoping that you know yeah it's going to piss some people off but i keep hoping we're going to get some sort of big balance pass somehow do you think we'll ever get something like that no, because the horse has really bolted, the genies were out of the bottle and swilling around the room. I think yeah. they, they they had that opportunity when they redid engineering, you know, the, the grandfathered mm-hmm. modules. They had the opportunity mm-hmm. to do that. And instead of keeping the, instead of lowering the bar, they raised the bar. And one of the questions that Frontiers haven't given me the answer to is what is your progression model for the game going forward? Is it vertical progression, you know, power creep, gear treadmill, whatever, whatever is it? You know, the player's level of DPS and survivability and jump range going up and up and up and up as a motivation to play? Or is it horizontal progression where the net power of the player doesn't change, but the methods of acquiring that power and that ability change or you go for the cosmetic route where you have to do certain things to get certain cosmetic items which then denote you as being having done this or that hmm. and they, so, they won't they didn't answer that i mean it's like well there, there's some people who saying, well yeah i can yeah obviously you want players to have fun and in our experience players enjoy blowing stuff up quicker so you know that's the way we'll go. And other people say, well, I, I hate gear treadmills. I want to be, you know, I want to change the, the way players play, not the absolute amount of DPS they can do, for example. See, the, one of the things that I love about this game is the lateral progression, the horizontal progression. And that, you know, the, the very first ship that you're given can do everything in the game. It may not be able to do everything in the game the best, but it, it is possible to do everything in the game with it. And except for maybe Thargoid Hunt, but that's, that's a really good thing. I think I, and I, I, I like how you can take a sidewinder 
and take out the biggest ships in the game. But well, you can take you can take a side one and kill a thargoid. Cyclops. Well, yeah, if you're in okay. a wing. Yeah, if you're in a wing. Yeah, you can you can side up a cyclops in a sidewinder. That would oh, well. be a three hour plus <laughs> fest. <laughs> that would be interesting. Well, so so let me ask you, like I'm a big ship guy. Like I, I love the vet. I love my vet. And what irritates me as, as I get more, because recently I started getting into PvP and I'm enjoying it and I'm learning that my vet is not the best ship for PvP. And it was Monday or Tuesday, I bought my very first Fertiland. And I'm in the process of getting it set up. But that being said, I, I hate the fact that as far as the meta of the game, the big ships have been kind of left behind. And it doesn't look like... It, it, kind, of, it kind of looks like and feels like FDev is basically saying, we know you guys don't like the big ships. We're not going to make any more of them. And we're not really going to buff them. Do you think they'll, they'll ever... Because I'm of the mindset, the big ships should be hard to take down. But, you know, they... I mean, this should be a big ship. That's what they're for. They should be, you know... I guess it depends on what your view of the big ships are. Are they more like a modern destroyer, or the, or are they more like a World War Two battleship? I'm thinking and, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking historic because uh, because at the moment, because the World War Two battleship hit really hard, could withstand a lot of punishment. But it was quite slow and it was very expensive and resource intensive. The modern destroyer, sure, it can dish out a lot of punishment, but it's not as resilient as the modern as the as a battleship. And also, with a modern destroyer, a single aircraft with some harpoons or where anti-ship missiles you have of your choice can sink one. It would take quite a lot of harpoons to sink the Missouri, for example. Mm. Right. So it, it depends on what your view is. And Frontier, I don't think I've ever said what side they flip. Because if your view is a, um, if your view is like a single small fighter can take down a battleship or a destroyer, then that's fine. But I don't know. We, I, I like big shit. Personally, I don't, I, I don't fly anything smaller than uh, a crate phantom. Because I'm lazy, and I like to have everything available in one ship and be so overpowered, <laughs> you know, whatever. But I don't know. It's an interesting one. I don't think. I hope they don't raise the power level of, of the player. Um, yeah. I um. The last thing I, I was wanting to ask you is kind of built around um, squadrons. In the game, and when they released the the whole squadron patch, man, that it it it, it feels like it's very. What does this exist for? What and, they did, what they did with squadrons, and I, I know I've said this before, is but basically, I think my comment on the way they did with squadrons is. Um, Hi, Frontier. This is 2005. Can we have our guild system back, please? Because it, 
it just really it's unbelievably primitive and although i wasn't at, at the meeting i i know people was there was a there was quite a heated discussion between some large player groups and frontier when they had the beyond sneak preview and it was all around was the way they have implemented squadrons are not the way people play the game because at the, at the, i mean i i've I've got friends in all sorts of wings and player groups and streamers and all sorts of everywhere. So for me, if I want to go and play with lay radio people, I go to the lay radio public group. If I want to go and play with um, some other friends of mine, I go to their player group. And we just change player groups. It's it's more like social media where you join a group and you flip to the group if you're interested and it's that casual kind of relationship with your friends mm-hmm. that people are used to. But they're not we don't play in the in squadrons or in guilds in the same way as we did in 2005, where it's just one community and that's all you do. We choose. So if you are, and that's why I'm, that's why I'm, I have my own squadron and haven't joined my own radios or anything like that, is because I don't want to choose which group of friends I prefer to play with. A hundred percent. I I could not agree with you more. I feel. With regard to squadrons, with regard to multi-crew, with regard to a couple of things, it seems as if these are almost vestigial relics of a system that they had considered doing something very interesting and very grand with. And and then for whatever reason, either the code was an issue or the priorities of <clears throat> what they feel the, the community was looking for changed or something. But these are sort of leftover relics that are are not really, to my mind, what they were intended to be at one point. Maybe, what, but it's, it's clear that the fundamental design of Elite wasn't to be, and it still isn't, an MMO. Elite is not an MMO. It's a cooperative game. There are small groups and they instance. So it's not... So if you're expecting MMO-style features, you know, trade auction houses, proper guild systems, or whatever, then Elite doesn't have it. So I'm getting a bit of echo now. Mm. Um... So, and, and it's difficult because if you look at the the squadron system, it's all and it almost seems like. So I'm getting a lot of echo now. Is it me? Okay. Um, if you look at the systems they've got, they seem to develop stuff on MVP, which is a minimum viable product. So with squadrons, what is the minimum viable product we can get away with? that people will think it's a squadron. Well, I mean, so when squadrons dropped, yes? Hey, we're getting some uh, back feed off our speakers here, Bubba. Oh, that's weird. I'm so sorry. Is it better now? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead now. Uh, So when squadrons dropped, it seemed to me that it was going to be tied towards a lot of... um, 
a lot of other things in the in the nature of like this is going to be tied to carriers and and you know use of carriers this is going to be tied to some other more grand ideas on on shared assets and whatnot that have subsequently been abandoned and and, and that's why i feel that it would be so much better since now there's not going to be shared assets involved like we could literally just open it up to um the fact that you could be in multiple squadrons and and you literally just okay you click on i'm on the lave radio squadron because i love the lave radio guys i'm on the loose screws podcast squadron i'm on distant worlds i'm on hacks i'm on hutton orbital i'm on you know project uh operation ida uh or ida rather sorry i always get those two but uh you know and 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 i'm in the buckyball club and with regard to all of those i you know uh i'm doing my thing and when i want to do buckyball stuff i go there when i want to go to um you know when i want to go do do some some hacks wing stuff then i'll i'll go over and join the anti uh xeno group but yeah i mean it it just seems to me that like man that's Yes, I get squadrons changed, and so now it doesn't really seem to have a role that it did. But with them making one small change, they could, even if it doesn't offer all that much, if you were to allow people to get into different ones, you could really open it up much more and 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 you could make it something that is usable and has a value even as a, quote-unquote, minimal, viable uh, uh, product. product. Yeah. <clears throat> If it, let me ask you, if there was three questions, any three questions that you could ask, like you're sitting alone with David Braben, you've plied him with enough knock and do or, you know, Glenn Fittich that he is just going to answer anything you ask, what would those three questions be? Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Um, My first, well, part of me would be tempted to ask, where's Raxler? So I could then torment people with knowing the answer forever. I love you. Uh, I love you, dude. I love you, dude. All right, so, um, so maybe that one, but I think it would be, what is his vision for the game once everyone gets triple quarterly and trillions and billions of credits? Because the game doesn't take away ranks or progression or whatever. So eventually, every player is going to get more credits than they know what to do with, or more materials they know what to do with, or more ships than they know what to do with, and more pilot federation ranks than they know what to do with. That's inevitable, because, you know, as long as you play, you you get different titles. So what is the vision for what comes after Elite? in terms of stuff like that. That would be one of the questions. Um, the other one would be... Let's have a think. Um, I think I would ask him, and has, has David been brave and been fed with a truth serum, or has he been fed with a marketing serum, is my, is my question in this theoretical interview. Truth serum, not no no PR bullshit. The actual actual private conversation that's never meant to get out, and only you will get these answers. 
Okay. Then I will ask him what areas of the game have disappointed him the most and pleased him the most? And what do you intend to do about the ones that disappointed you? And the other one would be... Um, oh, yes. Where have you buried Sandro and Michael Brooks? <laughs> Michael Brooks. God, That's, I want to talk to that guy. That is kind of like the million-dollar question. Like, like, we do not know what Brooks is working on, correct? I don't know. Yeah. I'm... I mean, he's still with he's still with Frontier, right? Like he hasn't gone somewhere else. Because I haven't seen him where he's gone somewhere else. Well, I heard I heard rumors, stories, whatever, is that he had some health problems, which I'm told again, rumors, whatever, taking a pinch of salt, he is now recovering from. So that's the good news if that was indeed correct. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult one because we all have and this relates back to something that you spoke to earlier, is that we all have our vision of what we want this game to be like. And if you asked 10 people, you'd get 12 different views of what the game should be like. So it doesn't matter what Frontier do, they're going to disappoint somebody. And I think that's something that we need to bear in mind for fleet carriers and the 2020 update, is it doesn't matter what you do, someone's going to be disappointed. It's not going to be the panacea. And talking about Raxor, I know we had a brief chat about this uh, when this thing was being set up, is I don't want Raxler to ever be found. Interesting. Well, so let me you, ask you this then. Do you, do you think it's in the game, like they say? It's... It probably is, but I think the answer is so disappointing we wouldn't see it, even if it had a flashing light saying "Welcome to Raxor" on it. Let me. Yeah, let, I, let me. I, I think it's pretty much just a planet somewhere, and he can't do nothing with it right now, kind of deal. So yeah, let me let me modify that just a little bit. I because I I would never suggest that Frontier Development has lied bullface. I do not believe that they would ever do that in this situation but let me modify the question just a little bit to shed a little different light on it not does Raxla exist because I take it as a given that it does exist it is in the game is it interactable i.e. I can say Raxla is on Mars Mars you don't have access to land on therefore Raxla is in the game and I know where it is but you can never you'll you, you're just you're tiny Tim with your nose up against the window staring in and you're never going to get warm. I suspect it's something like that. You know, um, through this conversation, and this has been a phenomenal conversation, I have to thank you, Shan. I, I, I didn't get a chance to say this when we had our conversation with Ben Moss Woodward, uh, Woodward Commander Edelweiss, uh, and I, I want to say it now. The only reason why I am even here interviewing you, the reason why I'm on this show, the, the thing that brought me into the idea of any of this was you guys at Lave Radio had a send us your ideas of what you would want to do different with Elite or what you would like changed in Elite. And I wrote up 
like a page long. I'm sure that you guys got this and said, oh, my God, throw this in the trash. This guy's a f- nut job. He, I wrote up like a page long list of I would like this and I would like this. And here I want this to work like that. And I want this and I want this, this huge list. And I sent it in. And then uh, I, I listened to live radio Every week, I always do, and I always will. And I also listen to Loose Screws podcast. And <clears throat> Ty was talking at some point about like, hey, uh, and I was already in the Discord here, and he was saying something along the lines of like, what would you, you know, that was an interesting conversation. Live radio, always good conversation. What do you guys think, you know, would be good to change or whatever? And I literally just copied and pasted the email that I sent to him or sent to you to him and said, here's what I sent to live radio. It's my rambling list of ideas. Uh, and he read through it on the air in a subsequent issue and episode and was like, you know, this is, this is like some good questions, you know, this way I agree with this one, I would go a different way, whatever. But literally my entire involvement in this whole sort of endeavor springs out of a letter that I sent to Labor Radio and my love for the product that you guys put out. So I wanted to real quick in the middle of all this, before I forget, give you a, a heartfelt thank you for that. Well, thank you for that. And on behalf of Labor Radio, I'm really delighted that the stuff we put out has kind of inspired other people to to do you know, to do what they do. A little bit of, um, and I also want to thank you for send, for anyone who sent in answers to that questions because not only have they given us a great number of talking points but we literally have got eight or nine pages of letter sized paper with our questions and points and <laughs> so we have more than enough material so frontier doesn't don't release any new updates for the game for the next six months we've got enough material to talk about on Lay radio because people have written in and they're so passionate about the game and they're so inspired to think oh what would i do different that yeah, it's, the response to that question has been absolutely phenomenal. So thank you for anyone, and especially you, who sent in answers to that question because it's been absolutely brilliant, the response. Well, let me also, let me also say this, Shan. Um, I've been listening to Live Radio, I guess, about a year after. I, I've been playing since launch day. And I wasn't an early back or anything, but I've been playing since launch day. And I just I was in Lave and I, I was looking at the system map and I was like, what is Lave Radio Network? And uh, then I Googled it and I found the website and started listening to you guys. And I I don't know exactly what it was that made me go, yeah, I want to do a podcast. That's what I want to do. I want to do it about this game. But you guys have been in my ear. For so long. And one of the things I like about you the most is that you have a you have a habit of kind of sitting there, not really saying nothing, kind of let everybody talk, kind of say their piece, and then you just pull down this hammer it's like, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about it from this point of view? And I'm always sitting there going, Oh damn, that's a good point. I never thought about that. And uh I want to say thank you for what you do because up until I did this podcast, I didn't play with any, like with any friends or anything. I never joined. I, I didn't even wing up with anybody with the exception of what little bit of Thargoid hunting I did when 
I'm just flying along and the guy's like, Hey, you want to wing up? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then there's three other people there. I was like, Holy shit. What am I doing? I don't know any of these people. You guys gave me the courage to do this. Cause I'm a very introverted person. I don't like talking, especially I don't, I don't, I hate the sound of my voice and I hate putting it out there and all the other things. But it's given me a community to play this game with. And I found a whole new love of this game because I was honestly at a point where I was kind of like, well, I, I think I might be done with this game until I started doing this. And it's because of you and the other guys at Lave Radio that um, I just want to say thank you. So now that I've completely flipped over my man card. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I just had to adjust my headset to make it bigger two notches. <laughs> <My head. laughs> but uh, thanks, thanks, everyone. That's really appreciated. And it's, it, it's weird for me because I, 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 like you, I'm actually quite shy in a way. When I talk a lot, you know, on lay radio and stuff like that, because, hey, no one can see me and, you know, it's, it's, it's all kind of, in time, I'm naturally quite shy and introverted as well, so I completely get where you're coming from. And I don't know, it's weird because at, at LaveCon this year, and I forgive me, I, I don't know the person's name, um, but I was coming out of one of the seminars uh, and about to actually go um, and collar one of the developers or something like that. Anyway, I came out and this, he looked about 15, 16. And guy comes down and goes, Oh, Shan, Shan, hi. And I go, Oh, hello. And he goes, Oh, can you sign my t shirt? I've got all the other lay radio people on there, but I'm waiting to get hold of you. And I was completely taken aback. And I thought, What with the time? I'm, I'm just Shan. You know, why do you want me? But obviously, you sign it, Shan. And <laughs> I, I'd never actually even written out the commander names. So I didn't really have a proper signature. So I just spelled it out in capital. You know? And <laughs> it was. It really took me back, and it just made me feel really kind of, I don't know, weird. And Because, I, as I say, you've got this very shy, very unassuming person who just also happens to be quite opinionated. And people are asking, hey, can you sign my T-shirt? And I thought, well, isn't that normally just reserved for, like, celebrities? And it was just, it was, it was a real moment. And it, it was great that someone appreciated enough of what, I said, and the work people put in to want to collect all the cast members of Lay Radio on a T-shirt, and yeah. Yeah, that blew my mind. And I, I hope when you guys have your elite meet or things like that, they're like, "Oh, great, it's you guys! Come and sign this," because it's not about the celebrity, but it's about just feeling appreciated and thinking, "Yeah, okay, people enjoy this." Well, that's when you yeah. get to go home and tell the wife and kids. Actually, I'm internet famous. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Shannon already knows that, and she teases me ridiculously <laughs> about it. it. It's it's like she's she, she, you know, we've been married for nearly thirty years now, actually. And wow, um, so you know, she got that stage where she kind of humours my weirdness, and um, yeah, it's like I got a really surreal thing happened. Someone asked my signature on a T-shirt. And the first, her first comment was, "Was it a man or a woman?" <laughs> <laughs> That's a wife right there. She kn- she knows what's up. That's <laughs> no, no, you're, no, you're, you're over there shining. You're over there signing boobs, not telling nobody. 
<laughs> You'll be like, no, Colin, no, there's no one over here. Come on, baby. Let me just sign right here for you. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about Lavecon. You must have heard of, I think it was the first Lavecon we went to at uh, the Central Court. You must have heard the story of the bride. <laughs> oh, Lavecon. yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, you know, um, I'm, I'm actually going to try to be at Lavecon this year. Um, I've oh, never wow. tried to go. I've never tried to go. I'm trying to get, uh, I'm trying to um, make sure I, like, I met, I missed the first batch of tickets because I wasn't paying attention. I'm trying to get to where I can get second batch of uh, the, what are they, the gold, platinum, whatever the higher tier is. So I'm trying to do that. And if that's the case and I can go, I would love to, love to meet you, love to, love to buy you a beer, man. I, I love that. Well, I'll, I'll be easily recognized. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I'll be the one. I'll be the one making a lot of noise and making frontier development run. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the reputation somewhat. I, I do play on it a bit, but it, it was based on um, what happened for one of our one of our two hundred episodes we had planned was to have an interview with someone who doesn't normally have to do interviews. We talk about people like. Uh, the game director, not David Braben, but you know the people on the board. And what we did is we asked. I, I, I put down a whole load of questions for them to answer. And it wasn't like vicious stuff we knew they'd never be able to do. It was things like, okay, so what was the rationale behind one player per squadron? You know, where, where did that come from? And all the sorts of stuff we want to know because we want to know. Well, what is the limitation? Is it technical? Was it a design decision? Was there some Mysterious vision they had in the ether that said, "Do not let players have more than one squad." Yeah, what was it? Um, it was that sort of level of question. And um, all of a sudden, they got really busy and couldn't do the interview. So they said, "Oh, well, I'll pass you on to this other chap, um, this other senior developer." And then, so oh, yeah, great. We'll send the questions through, and he came back and he said, "Oh, I'm really busy on something. I'm washing my hair or something." So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's all, there's all these questions, and for me, for, for me, they weren't nasty questions. They weren't disrespectful questions, but they were things like we all wanted to know. We're like, well, what progression model are you going to go? Are you going to vertical or horizontal? You know, where do you see what comes after? Really, all the ones I talked about the David Braben ones, and yeah, they just yeah got busy and ran away. <laughs> that was the uh, the famous missing episode, that one C episode or whatever. That was. Uh, Three hundred, yeah, and didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, uh, that's still quite a sore point to me personally because mm. uh, um, you won't tell Frontier, will you? Well, actually, the people who worked aren't minimal. What happened was, I realised back in <laughs> January. I realised back in January 2017, I think it was, that if I counted each week, our episode, three hundredth episode, sorry, two hundredth episode, sorry, is going to be on Bacon. And it's, it's still, it's actually on course to be, the 300 is still scheduled to be at Bacon uh, this year. Um, but anyway, I realized back in January time that we were approaching episode 200. And I thought, well, this podcast has been going on week in, week out for four years about a game and about a games company. And it was at the time, it was just a one product company. So I, I wrote to um, I wrote to Frontier to Ed and I said, "Look at this, hey, Low Radius, two hundredth episode. We would love you to be involved in some way. Um, you know, we're going to do our own thing, but wouldn't it be great if Frontier, you know, could 
to do something with us and for us. And Ed wrote back a couple of weeks later, oh, great, yeah, give us, give us some ideas. So I gave some ideas. Some of them were cheeky, like, oh, can we have a galaxy name? It was, it was something really outrageous that, you, you know, you think, well, it doesn't hurt to ask kind of thing. And then there were other more realistic stuff. Um, so that then went away. But basically what happened was we were strung along and strung along by delays and delays and delays and um, not getting answers back of chasing Jack and other people saying, look, what's going on? This is coming up really quickly. And we wouldn't even get a response. And if we did, it was, oh, yeah, don't worry, I've got it. So it was like we were just being strung along. And it was almost like, um, I don't know, it just felt being rude because if they didn't want to... If they didn't want to do anything with us, hey, that's fine. It's their prerogatives, but tell us. So yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit of a um, a mess up, I think. But these things happen. They're all they're all busy people, and they don't really want us lot us pests in their ears all the time. I guess. Well, you you know, I'm I'm, a, I'm not trying to slam Frontier, but at the same time, you know, you guys are are. And us too, for that matter, we're handing out free advertising for their game. So um, I, I'm I'd not like to think- sure. Of, yeah, I'm not sure of the listening figures at the time. Uh, sorry, now. <laughs> but I, I know around about them a few years ago, we were in excess of 20,000 um, yeah. lis- listeners a week on that. So that, that's a fairly big. You know, every, every one of you listen, who bother listening to be whittle on in the car or wherever is amazing. I don't know how you put up with it. Because I, I, I've never actually listened to a live radio episode with me on it, ever. I used to listen to it every week before I was on it. But then when I'm on it, I stop. I just can't listen to myself. Because um, I'm cringing, thinking, oh, Shan, you said that. And, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's that's actually interesting because I, I want to say I appreciate what you guys do in the sense of you are you. And I mean, in a sense, it is a talk show of a group of friends, you know, five or six people, but there's normally a core four. And then there's a couple of people that swap in and out. And, you know, this week we got this guy, the next week we got that guy. But <clears throat> there's a core group. And you are all being yourselves and being honest, but at the same time, you can tell that you're also playing some roles. You're playing your online persona character. You know, you and Edelweiss are the bad boys, and Edelweiss is the old lech. He's the, you know, he's the the pervert of the group and this, that, and the other. And you are Mr. Moneybags. If this is Gilligan's Island, you're going to be, you know, oh, Muffet, ha, ha. And 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 you throw in little snide comments about, you know, like, oh, well, we got to send our crew members to the gulag once they get elite because they go dumb or we're going to do this or we're going to do that. And, oh, my God, I hope they don't make this cheap. I mean, if you make it less than 80 billion, what's even the point? And you can tell that you're doing it tongue in cheek. You're being cheeky. You're playing a character. I can see the smile on your face when I'm driving in the car and hear you saying all of this. You know, I can see the smile on your face. So, you know, you've got, like I said, Ben's the the pervert. You're the money bags. Uh, you know, you've got Suve playing the sort of equal journalist who's like looking at everything with integrity and whatnot. You've got Colin who is, you know, coming in as the everyman as like a nice balanced sort of normal. And also, you know, he's hurting all the kittens. He's 
he's like, oh my God, these, you know, the, the, like he's this substitute teacher and all the children have run amok and set fire to the classroom. Well, well you, you know the fact that every time Colin mispronounces a word, the kitten dies, don't oh. you? Well, and, and let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. That is a thing that I believe started organically and started naturally of him, him mispronouncing things. But I can tell you quite often, I can hear he really the smile in his that, voice. He really is that bad at English. It's not on purpose. I, I, I've heard several times where he goes out of his way to mispronounce a guy's name that he knows what it is. It's, it's all I, I, are you guys, It is. I mean, are you guys familiar with... Um, the Grand Tour or Top Gear or that of, sort of, oh, you know, of course, the, the of course, show. Jeremy Clarkson. So, so if if you think about, I mean, we have you're right. It hasn't. It's come organically. We're not seeking to replicate them because how how could you? But you know, in the Top Gear Grand Tour, there's the Captain Slow. There's mm-hmm. there's Hammond always crashes and burns stuff, and Jeremy Clarkson who's a thug. You know, they 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 are who they are. But there's there's a certain niche. Mm-hmm. they play up to and I think you are right is that it, but it's not something I so consciously think about I don't thinking oh I'll now throw in a Guild Wars 2 reference here just for fun or I'll I'll tease Ben flying for this or whatever it is I don't so consciously think that it's basically a bunch of mates chatting about a game and a community we love and that's uh, and that is the core of it and I, I I'm picking up the same thing with you guys hmm well, I, I've I've had a blast talking with you about all of this thing. You know, one last thing. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna. It, but this is weighing on my head from earlier when you were talking about and and much love and respect and 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 all good things to the pilot who was on in an early episode with uh, with the show before I was even on the show when I was just a listener. He came on and had a conversation with Ty about uh and Dravenos about um you know the idea of letting the bubble burn and then you know maybe our carriers could be I think it was Ty that brought up that point our carriers could could our carriers could be the sort of galactica the 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 you know continuation of humanity the last continuation and one of the reasons why that will never happen is because they're interested in getting new players in and they want to build this. They want to launch a big new whatever and get 10 million new players to join this game. And they want this to take off, you know, massively bigger and better than ever. And you can't really do that when you have new players who are coming in saying, okay, but I can't, the engineers are gone. And what, where do I, this and what I I have to go, but I, I have to go to, to lave station and get my brandy so that I can take that to this engineer. And you're telling me that that's, you know, it's a situation where it breaks the sort of newer player experience too much. And with MMOs, as we all know, you can't take away things. Once you've given something to MMO players, you can't take it away without people wanting to lose their mind. Absolutely. Oh, go ahead. I'll say one, the golden rule uh, and I think it's Star Wars Galaxies, I think, kind of broke the rule, and I think it's one of the reasons why it ultimately failed, is the one thing you never, ever do is reset a player's progress in the same universe. Right. But, and here's the big but, and here's the possibility. I mean, this is the biggest but. This is J-Lo size but. 
what if they were to give us a box that we could tick? And for those who tick the box, for those who don't tick the box, you are in the safe sandbox. You are in the everything is okay and the Thargoids are out over there. And if you want to go see them, you can go like a tourist to Disneyland and see them. And then you can go back home far away from it and not be bothered. But if you tick the box, then you get to live in the Battlestar Galactica universe. And then you're dealing with, you would still have engineers. You would still have, you know, the engineer bases are some outholds, you know, that they're hidden. They're built into the sides of mountains. They're automated, whatever. And they're, they're hiding there. But if you click the box and if you say, okay, I want to go, I want to go in that universe. I, I want to play that game. <clears throat> now, the small bases that are left and the, the player stations that you have are the refuge and it is a battle star galactica you know the the fringe see of i would argue i would argue you've got that potential already because you can in your mind you can i mean yes it's a bit of the dreaded role play <laughs> word i guess but you can you can say okay my character has moved to colonia to mm-hmm. escape the Thargoid, they got so worried about the Thargoid incursions and so concerned for the bubble, they decided to get out while the going's good, and that's why they're in Colonia. That, so, that's true. So I mean, there's, there's actually pilots that have done that. I've read about pilots that have actually done that. Hmm. That's interesting. I would I would love to see something like that. I would love to see an option to take the game in a different way. You know, you said you made the point so um so perfectly uh earlier in this conversation that <clears throat> you know this is not an MMO in the sense of it's meant to be played on a large scale of interaction and whatnot. It is more a single player game sandbox that has other people around. Like the 1984 Elite, I even remember there was an interview where David Braben said that what if you were playing the 1984 Elite whenever you saw other ships flying by, what if that was an actual player? And it is more built along that structure, uh, what with you know not having a massive server network, with it being more peer-to-peer. It's built along more that structure. But you made the point of, you know, it's, it, it's a, a lot of times it's incumbent upon us to you know, take the box and make something with it. And you have groups like the Bucky Ballers. You have people like, I mean, the absolute masters of this are the Hutton Orbital crew, uh, you know, like for the mug and all love to Hutton. These guys are literally going out and and taking on the whole, like delivering mugs to every station in the galaxy right now. 53,000. I know, it's stations. great, isn't it? And, 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 and I... All of these things of of ways that you can take the box, as you say, and make your own game with it. Guys, I challenge each and every one of you that is hearing this interview, go out there and do something with that box. Start something up. Join the Bucky Ballers. Join the Fuel Rats. Join, join Hutton. Go out and hunt down Commander Edelweiss and take Souverine's money. Do something with this and build something beautiful. Although, as I pointed out, people are too late, in a way, for the bounty because because of the new way mining works, the amount of money they could have <laughs> got for the bounty has now dropped quite considerably. But uh, true enough, true enough. But it's interesting, isn't it? How 
everyone I speak to about it has their own thing they love about it. And that is what's great about the fundamental open design of the universe. And you say about ticking a box and, you know, I, I, want, uh, I, I want to go kitty mode or I want to be in big boy mode or whatever it is. I don't think Frontier will ever do that because, oh, I'm getting feedback again. Um, sorry, there was some feedback on the line. So, yeah, I don't think Frontier will ever do that because that's the reason why solo mode affects open, open affects private group. You know, they want to present it's, a, it's all exactly the same galaxy. And there's no difference between what you see in solo and what you see in open. And I think that's the reason why they wouldn't necessarily go to switch route. Oh, I, I, I agree. I agree. And it's, I guess it's, it's, it's incumbent upon us to find new ways to play with that box and also to look forward to, um, the, the, you know, I feel like there's an, a, a bit of a sort of, there's something in the air of hope of, you know, there's things coming, and I'm I'm not trying to make expectations run wild, but I'm hopeful that with the new things coming, we will find new and interesting ways to to make something with that box. I I hope so. I mean, even thinking about space lakes, um, I'm I'm concerned that if Frontier go the middle of viable product route, is that all we'll get is we'll either get. Um, like an SPS, PUBG, Fortnite-style game, you know, where you have to fight against other players, and it's like some FPS. Oh. We'll either get something like that, or we'll get something where you walk around, and the only thing that's different is a different camera view. Because if you think about it, if you think about what are the minimum things you need for Space Lakes to actually make it, have any kind of lifetime is you need to have some kind of social area in a space station or a bar or wherever it is, somewhere you go to hang out. You then need to have a proper chat system, you know, so which the game doesn't have. It basically has just a one line thing. You see, it's not the sort of chat system you can have long involved conversations with. It's not a chat system for those who like to role play. And the role play side of it is an area where people can make a cardboard box. I'm not talking about, you know, the weird sort of role play. I'm just talking going chatting in a bar. Oh, have you heard about this? And the usual stuff you see. So, I don't know. It's going to need so many different stuff to add it on top if it's not just going to be another fortnight or walking around with a different camera angle. And I don't know. I'm worried about what we're actually going to get. Well, time will tell. We'll find out soon. Um, Commander Shan, I know that we have a, a limited time window available. I would like to ask you to please, please, please consider yourself as having an open invite to return. We, I think we need to continue this conversation. I think I can talk your ear off. We, we can go another five or six uh, uh, sessions of a couple hours each. But uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on. And, and it's been incredible to talk with you, man. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have been on, so thank you very much. And thank you for anyone else who's still listening and hasn't switched off, because that's appreciated as well. Man, um, I really appreciate you joining us this evening, man. Um, I, wanna, I just want to let you know, we record on Thursdays. Um, 
uh, all of the Lave Radio guys have have open access to our recording channel. So if you guys are, I know it's late in the evening for you guys when we record because it's like I think it's like one a.m. y'all y'all's time. But if you got if you're ever on or something, and you hear us talking complete smack about something that's completely wrong, man, jump in our channel and get us straight because I guarantee you we will get it straight. <laughs> and I, I will very much Thank appreciate you. that. So, um, um, do, do do you do anything else um, that I don't know of in the community? Um, or, or are you just involved with, with Lave Radio? Um, there's lots of other groups I've, I'm sort of affiliated with. I'm, I'm pretty good friends with Obsidian. So um, I've got an open invitation for him to have me along to help him get his combat elite. Um, so I do stuff with that. Um, they're not as active as they used to be, but the hammers are swell. Um, the people used to do the sidewinder sports day and and that, so I do still tap to those quite a bit. Um, but it's mainly late radio now because trying to keep, even though there's not much going on in terms of active development, there's still a lot to talk about, especially when you get yeah. nine pages of suggestions from people. But there's still lots to talk about and lots to think about, um, particularly if you cast a, 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 yeah, a certain critical eye. Everything. I don't mean critical as in negative. I mean, you look at a statement and you think about it. You hang on a minute. What does that mean? What's that telling us? So you can kind of, I mean, the classic example, I know you want to wrap up, but I'm on a roll now. So um, <laughs> go right ahead. Man. The classic example, and now we're talking about this before, was the delay in carriers. Is that we were told it's because we want, you know, you told us you wanted to focus on bugs. So therefore, we have delayed carriers till six months while we fix bugs. On the face of it, you think, oh, great, Frontier, great. I think it's going to be bug-free and wonderful. Yes, but the announcement was three weeks before carriers were due to be announced. Or So yeah, if it was just going to be delayed for a couple of weeks late, you can kind of understand your bug test carriers and release them. But six months, I think they used that announcement to mask the fact carriers were way behind schedule and they weren't working quite the way they wanted them to. And the fixing bug things was, is true, but it was also a palatable reason for them to delay it. Well, you know, to kind of go along with that, that's a great cover for them, for them to say, oh, no, we're going to fix the bugs, guys. We're going to fix the bugs. And to make to give them some some uh, credit with the community, I mean, here's the thing: if this is a living, breathing game, why don't you have a team of bug fixers constantly fixing bugs? Why is that? Why why did you have to pull people from doing community goals and interstellar initiatives for the next six months to fix bugs? Why 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 did why did you not have a team already doing this? Well, they do. They, they do, and I suspect we're touching into the business side of things now. Yeah, um, I mean, you're right. Because what, what I'm seeing, you know, let's take everyone asks for, let's have a public beta, let's have a public beta, blah, blah, blah. But I actually didn't want public beta because what, what tends to happen is people focus on the new stuff and they test that. They don't regression test 
the stuff that used to work because I was so focused on the new stuff. And the second part of it, actually down to Frontier, is they don't give people long enough or get the public people involved early enough to be able to change the direction and fix what they're already coded. It's almost like the beat is a PR exercise to say, hey, we did a beta. Beat, a Thanks so much, everyone. You really helped. Yeah, yeah and it was like a five-day, yeah, four-day four beta. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, um, man, I really appreciate you joining us this evening. Like I said, um, I, I want to get you back on. I, I want to get all the labor radio guys on at one point. Let's have a great big roundtable. Um, because I feel like some other develop some other content creators got together and had this big, um, big roundtable about things, and it was it felt very negative. And while while there's a lot of things in Elite Dangerous I don't like, man, it's still my number one game right, now. and it's still it's been it's been my number one number two game for five freaking years. So I just wanted Absolutely, to be there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's where I come from. I'm, I'm constantly aware that sometimes I can come across as being quite negative on the show and quite cynical. Um, and yeah, part of that, I think, is my sort of British sense of humor. But I, I do have to keep a lid on that because it can come across as I hate Frontier and hate the game. And the opposite is true. And I, I, I always say there's a certain number of games in someone's gaming lifetime that is, if you can quote, their game. It's the game that so captures our imagination and passion and everything that it becomes theirs. And Elite has been one of my, in quotes, games since I first saw Elite on the Acorn Electron back in 1984. It's always been my game. I've been, every single version that's come out on a computer I had, I got Elite at. So when it came out on the Spectrum, I got Elite on the Spectrum. When it came out on, B- on the BBC, I managed to acquire a BBC from somewhere. I got Elite on the disc version of that. The 16-bit versions got that. PC version got that. Frontier 2 and First Encounters, I got Elite on that. You know, it is, in quotes, my game. I don't mean I'm it, yeah, mine, but you know what I mean. It's that, that special affinity yeah. with, with the product. And I still feel about that about uh, Elite Dangerous. It's still, in quotes, my game. And the fact we have such an amazing community, uh, I mean, the sort of charitable stuff people do, and you, you mentioned Hutton Truckers, and there's notable people in that. It just amazes me. And it, what makes the game and the community such a wonderful place to be, it's a people. Um, which brings us nicely back to why I won't tell people how much credit I've got. That's not the point. <laughs> and a big shout out on that charitable side. So it's more side. than cop. Of course, of course, no question. A big shout out on that charitable side to Commander Plater. You, sir, are a fucking, well, excuse me, are a legend. Uh, the, the work that you did with the Thyroid Cancer Foundation was incredible. And the, the honor that you got this last week from them was, was well-deserved, sir. Hell yeah. And on that note, um, I know he posts on Twitter sometimes. Uh, apparently, there's some complete douchebags out there that are just horrible to him. And I don't get why people would want to be horrible to him. And th- there's a special place to hell for people like that, I hope. For sure. 
So now that we've had we've had Ben on, we've we've now had Shan on for a brief talk. Although I I need more. I need an, another part two <laughs> and part three of this. Uh, and we're gonna have Suve on uh, coming up in a week or two. Uh, we definitely need to after we get you. Then we we need to have Colin come on, and then we have to do uh, start scheduling some like every other month or whatever. Let's do a low sodium roundtable where we are objectively <laughs> critical and call Frontier out for decisions that are maybe not great, but that we don't go overboard like, you know, professional uh, wrestling uh, uh, characters who just are so outraged and screaming at every given point. And that we've, we balance that out with some, of, some praise for the things that are going and some, some thoughts for what's to come. Yeah. And um, I also want to say on a personal note, you guys um, have been a supporter of Blue Screws and myself pretty much since like episode four. And uh, I just want to say thank you for that. You guys have given me more shout outs. I don't know how many listeners y'all have sent my way. I just want to thank you for that very much. So if I haven't thanked you, thank you very much. Yes, thank you. And I was just moving my headset up another side. all right we're gonna wrap it up there guys uh chan thank you very much for joining us um you guys don't listen to lave radio you are seriously missing out uh laveradio.com you can find it on all the streaming platforms or all the uh podcast platforms you guys stream on tuesdays um what is it about 2 2 p.m central time uh yeah it's uh, half past eight PM, um, Greenwich Mean, or UTC. So uh, it's, yeah, which would be about two thirty Central Standard Time, three thirty yeah. PM Eastern Standard Time for the Americans. Get over there and check out Lave Radio. You will not. I just know. It. I just know around two o'clock. I'm trying to sneak over at work and trying to get yeah. on without anybody noticing. So, <laughs> oh, well, it is a podcast, so you know it's usually out the day after or even the later on that evening my time yeah. so uh, you can you can download it and you can then listen to it in the car or if you're having trouble sleeping or whatever so for the record <laughs> i want to state that this is not the end of the interview shan uh this is a pause and we will continue this with our next installment that will come at a future date but you're not off the hook you are very <laughs> you're too cool for this to oh, be done. Oh, now i have to think of something interesting to say now so thanks for the heads yeah, up yeah. <laughs> Thanks, All right. brother. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. And I want you guys to have a great evening, okay? Thanks, Thanks again. Now that's fun. That's not live radio. I know, but I always say <laughs> for the mug. Oh, if you if you come to LaveCon and you just shout out for the mug, you'll get deafened by the reply. <laughs> <laughs>